welcome back to Switchcast Live. We're happy to be with you again tonight, coming to you from a different studio. There's a long explanation behind this. This is a home studio, but it is not our home studio. Uh, and my guest tonight, as promised, will be Mrs. Mexican Stig. That is right. My wife, uh, my I'm not going to use any cliche terms. She's my wife, and I love her. And she will be on tonight. Um, we're looking forward to talking about marriage and cars and how those things intertwine. Uh, she is putting her boy to bed, and uh, she'll be on in a little bit. Don't think that she has abandoned me <laughs> on our anniversary. Um, so we're going to have some fun tonight, and we're going to go over some automotive news and some follow-up to questions from previous episodes and, and different things like that beforehand and she'll join us in a little bit if you would like to join us on the show you can comment with your questions in the comment flow wherever you're watching on watching us live and uh, you can also call in and chat with us 216-294-4124. Again, that's 216-294-4124. The phone lines and the internet comment lines are open. Uh, to start off, uh, well, one thing, I do have an announcement. We're wrapping up. So SwitchCast, we are on our, I think, 24th episode. And it's been a little bit of a learning experience for all of us. And we thank you for uh, sticking with us and uh, we appreciate the growth so far and we are going to change it up a little bit for season two that's right you didn't know we had seasons neither did we but uh, this is season one it's been a little bit of an experiment it's been a really fun one and we have some exciting things coming in season two and that announcement will come of course at the end of the episode I'm going to uh, keep you on your toes uh, on pins and needles until the end here. So um, anyway, I wanted to follow up on some questions. So last week we had John Dandro from Redenzo Radar, Radar on the show, and it was a very, very good episode. Um, I, I know from the feedback we got, a lot of you appreciated it. Uh, some of the stuff was a little bit over my head. John is a really, really smart guy. Uh, and even though I use radar detectors and definitely exploit their, their capabilities to the fullest, there's a lot of things I don't know about them. And that's actually why I like some of the more intuitive radar detectors. But a good question we got after the episode was from JD on YouTube. And he said, um, because I, am vehemently against the Valentine one radar detector because they don't have GPS lockout. So his question was, I don't get the hate for lack of GPS lockout when you're saying it's for cannonball. You don't have all of those spots locked out across the country. So the GPS doesn't provide any additional benefit. Also, wouldn't you be running JBV one, which is an app or highway radar, another app anyways, when going for a cannonball record if so, the V1 can integrate and do everything you need it to do. That's, those are both very good questions. I'm going to tackle them one at a time. So the GPS lockout when it's for a cannonball, you don't have those spots locked out across the country, so the GPS doesn't provide any additional benefit. It's actually false. Um, the Escort Max 360 that I used, I've done multiple cross-country runs 
in with that detector, <laughs> that detector probably has a hundred thousand miles uh, across the United States and a ton of GPS uh, signals uh, stored in the system. So for those of you that don't know, uh, GPS lockout is a feature that the radar detectors have GPS built in, and when you pass a certain spot. It recognizes a frequency and you can either manually mark it out or after the second or third time, depending on the detector, it will automatically lock it out. So the next time you pass that place with a false signal, it recognizes the frequency and the location and you will no longer get a notification. I think this is very important with how much basically just fault signals and radar scatter there is um, from road construction signs, from traffic lights, from all sorts of sensors. Um, and a lot of them are stationary. So the GPS lockout is very important. Mike Valentine is not a fan of GPS lockout. Um, his reasoning is really dumb in my opinion. So he says that, well, if you, if you go across if you pass that sp spot where there's the same signal, but you happen to pass that same spot and there's a cop there, a real cop that's shooting at the same frequency as that fault signal, then your detector will also lock it out. One, that's not true. Two, the odds of that happening are just like astronomically small. And three, your brain will anyway, right? So if you pass the same spot every other day and you're like, oh man, there's K-band and it's 24.120 gigahertz, man, that's a false signal because I hear it every day. Your brain is not as good and not as fast a processor as what's in the detector. So your brain is also going to say, well, that's a false signal. So your brain isn't going to be any better at determining whether there's a real signal over that false signal. So for that reason, I disagree with Mike Valentine on his stance against the GPS lockout. I think it's just a lame excuse for not having it uh, on his detector. So anyway, back to the original question. Yes, we do have spots locked out across most of the country with our detector. Um, we prepare <laughs> quite a bit for these cannonballs and part of pre preparation is having the best equipment and part of having the best equipment is being familiar with it and having it programmed just like our scanners for where we're going. Uh, so we eliminate as many fault signals as possible because every single fault signal slows us down. So that that's number one response. The second part of his question was, wouldn't you be running JBV-1 or highway radar anyways when going for a cannonball record? Um, let me back up. I'm sorry, I didn't finish answering his other question. Also, the cannonball is a very minute uh, uh, aspect of using radar detector. The majority of us cannonballers and the majority of the buying public is using it on a daily basis on a commute when you're experiencing regular fault signals on a daily basis. So you need that GPS lockout. So Cannonball is not necessarily the best example of what is the best detector for the average person. So anyway, going back to his other question regarding the apps. So the, the most common defense I hear for why Valentine 1 is a better radar detector than others is because with JBV-1, it's so much better and you can figure out what all those false signals are. 
To me, that's crap, right? That's like saying, well, whole life insurance is great because it combines investments and life insurance. But whole life insurance is really, really expensive life insurance and a really, really bad investment. So you're basically saying, well, V1 is a better radar detector because when you use it with the app, it's better than Escort. But that's not a fair comparison. Escort is a better standalone radar detector, so is Unit and so is Redenzo, than V1 because you don't have to have an app. I'd rather have the best standalone radar detector possible and the best app, but I don't want to have to use an app in order to get the most out of my radar detector. I just want to run my radar detector, and if I really am trying to speed, then I'll say, well, what's the best app? JBV1, Highway Radar, whatever. But I shouldn't have to say, well, you got to get this app, and that's why it's better than the radar detector. It's like friggin' whole life insurance. No, put your money in mutual funds, buy term life insurance, same thing with radar detectors. Buy the best radar detector with GPS and use the best app if you want to. Rant over. Second follow-up, the 2018 Mint Green, Mint Green GT3 that is still at McLaren Charlotte and they're still trying to wholesale. Uh, the one that had the wide-body conversion done and was sold cheap and repoed and had the crazy story behind it and is being represented without any of that backstory as a no-paintwork car. So it was at two hundred twenty-five grand, which is a very strong retail number. So they've actually lowered it down to two hundred five grand. So they're getting sort of close to the wholesale number on it. Uh, I think they paid around one seventy, which again, what they paid is irrelevant, but it's a matter of what the car is worth with the backstory. So uh, I think around like one fifty, one sixty. That's thing's probably a good buy because man, just go track it, go use it, and who cares about the terrible paint on it? So uh, they're getting closer. I I did offer one forty five, and it was automatically declined, but whatever. I tried. Um, following up on some, uh, you know, the, the market is pretty crazy right now. That really doesn't need to be said. Uh, but one example of that was a BMW Z8 that recently sold on Bring a Trailer. It was topaz blue with a crema interior, which to me is the perfect color. It's an elegant color. I'm not a fan of silver, black, uh, white cars maybe, but uh, you know the, the, the blase non-colors don't do it for me. So, uh, And I think they don't do it for a lot of people, which is why the cool colors are very rare, but now rare is cool. So the colors that were uncool are now cool and get more money. So these Topaz Blue Z8s are pulling all the money for Z8s. Now this one had 26,000 miles, which in BMW Z8 world is not low mileage. It's not collectible mileage. Uh, you never see them with 100,000 miles on them. Um, somebody's going to say, oh, I saw one. Okay, fine. Never is a hyperbole. Uh, but anyway, you know, the five 10,000 mile cars usually pull all the money. But this car sold the other day for $361,000. Huge money for a Z8. Now, do I think they're worth it? Absolutely. The BMW 507, which is basically what the Z8 was styling was based on, um, are selling for well into seven figures now. And they didn't make any interim cars. It was the 507 and the Z8. So you've got a, uh, a vintage model and a modern car. And 
you know, they're a perfect pair for a BMW collector. So certainly the Z8s deserve the love that they're getting, but it's hard as somebody who loves one and wants to buy one to see that quick run up because this exact car sold on Bring a Trailer a couple years ago for 189 grand. So it basically just about doubled in two years. Now we look at regular inflation that's going up at about, I think, 8% last year. Um, and you've got home prices, which are going up uh, 20 to 40% in the last couple years. The average used car price has gone up 30 to 40%. So this car has vastly outperformed the market as a number of other collectible cars will. And I've said on here a number of times, and I've preached for years, that cars are not investments. And you'd say, well, Doug, you're an idiot. That guy doubled his money. Right. I still believe they are not investments unless you time the market. And timing the market is not a good investment strategy. It works for a very few amount of people, even in investing, right? So 80% of day traders lose money in the stock market, 80%. And stocks always, not all stocks, but stocks historically go up in value. Cars historically go down in value. So what makes people think like, oh, I'm going to day trade cars. I'm going to have a better success rate with something that goes down in value historically than people have with something that goes up in value. Like it's just not a good recipe to try to time the market. Does it work out sometimes? Sure. Does it work out fantastically when it works? Sure. But when it doesn't work, it also doesn't work out fantastically. Now, many of you know I listen to the Dave Ramsey show because it's entertaining and it's good financial advice. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Calvinist because I believe in election. I'm not a Dave Ramsey gospel person just because I believe in his principles. But anyway, I, I do enjoy his show. Don't hold that against me. But he said something uh, in response to somebody buying a house, and I think it's very applicable to cars. He said, if you're depending on the rising market to rescue you from a bad buy, then it wasn't a good buy, right? So you make your money. If you're going to call cars investments, you have to make your money when you buy the car. So what we're seeing a lot of is, I think the other saying that rings true is everybody's an expert in a rising market, right? So you people, and this is what I guess I rail against the most in this market is is people thinking they're experts not because they know how to buy a car but because they're getting lucky with timing and they just buy any car and pay any amount and if they just wait long enough they get out of their investment and they make money because it went up in value because of the timing of the market because of inflation and that is not a model for a long-lasting investment proposition nor is it a model for confirming that you know how to buy cars. So um, as somebody who's been able to make money in cars in up markets and in down markets, uh, I get a little cynical when people think that they're experts because, you know, they got lucky with their timing in the market. And, um, you know, when everything's going up in value, it's not that hard to make money. Big whoop. Um, another example, uh, I think an analogy we can take away from the market was a uh, Porsche GT3 RS on Bring a Trailer. It's a 2007. It was a pumpkin orange. It had 6,000 miles. 
And it was a good analogy. So I don't I don't want to get into the weeds of whether or not the car had paintwork, but the the paint gauge readings were thicker than factory specs. Uh, they were about double that. And I raised that question. It was not really answered to my satisfaction. So in my mind, there was still a question out there of whether or not it had been painted. Uh, now, again, you can get odd paint meter readings by having your meter not be calibrated. And that was probably the case in this, uh, in this case, but we don't know for sure. The seller just said, no, it hasn't had any paint work, but they also said that the paint meter readings uh, were consistent with factory thicknesses and they weren't. Um, anyway, so, but people bid anyway, and it got bid up to 284,000. The reserve wasn't met, but to me, that was a very, very strong number if the car was repainted, but people in this market have ceased to care about the things that they used to care about. Now, in a normal market, if a car had allegations of being repainted, everybody would flee. Everybody would say, well, we need to confirm it. You know, they'd maybe hire me to go out and, and check it with my meter and inspect it. They'd hire an expert, whatever. There was a lot of due diligence being per performed on collectible cars. But in this case, one of my customers actually called me about it. He was high bidder at the time. And he admitted, oh, he's like, oh yeah, it's probably been painted. Whole car has been painted, but it has such low mileage. I said, well, what's the point? It's low mileage. Low mileage means nothing if it's been wrecked. There's cars that were wrecked before they got to the, the dealership. There's cars that was wrecked on the test drive. You know, low mileage doesn't mean anything unless it's accompanied by the corresponding condition that you would expect for low mileage. So I, it just, it makes me scratch my head that, both in the housing market and in the car market, people are just completely ignoring the things that they should be thinking about when they buy a car. They're ignoring pre-purchase inspections. And, you know, my wife and I are struggling with this because we're trying to buy a house right now. And, you know, we're not opposed to paying too much for the house, but we want to perform our due diligence. We're not going to make a six-figure mistake but we're getting pushed to the side by people who are just willing to throw money at a house without asking the right questions. And that's what's happening in the car market as well. Um, and it's, it's a little frustrating as, as somebody who prides themselves on uh, transparency and, and, and providing the proper information to customers. And even, you know, the, the service I provide with GT vault is vetting these cars for people and people don't even care anymore if they're vetted. They're just like, it doesn't matter. It'll keep going up in value, which, you know, there's going to be a lot of people left holding the bag if the values recede and people start asking the right questions. Cause a lot of people are overpaying and have overpaid for the wrong cars and cars with stories. But this this phenomenon is getting so crazy. One illustration of it is a broker that I work with, and I don't like brokers typically, but this is one of the few good ones. He's sending out basic details. Uh, one example was a Carrera GT, $1.5 million Porsche Carrera GT, and literally saying no VIN number without an offer. So you literally, ha he's saying you have to make us a million dollar plus offer on this car without even knowing the VIN number. We won't even answer questions until you make an offer, which is freaking ridiculous. It's so stupid. And this is actually, it's funny to me because it's flying in the face of one of, if not the largest wholesalers in the country, 
who is doing thousands of cars every month and their company name is literally give me the VIN LLC because they recognize that a VIN number is one of the most basic details that you need in order to make a buying decision on a car. It's like saying to somebody, I've got a house for sale. It's a million bucks and it's got cedar siding. Well, where is it? I won't tell you unless you make an offer. I mean, that's what that's what they're basically saying. Like, Now, I, I know why he does that is because brokers beget brokers. And typically in the broker world, there's 18 brokers in between any real buyer or seller. And the way that you regulate that is not to give them the VIN. Because if they don't have the VIN, they don't have the real access to the car. So I understand that a little bit. Uh but at the same time, it's just stupid because uh, nobody's actually buying a Carrera GT or making an offer on one without at least having the VIN first. Uh, let's see. I hope my wife is almost ready to go here because I am running out of rants quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, we are going to go to a commercial. Well, we're not really going to go anywhere. I'm just going to tell you a commercial. Uh, let's see. So Celebrity Machines has sponsored our podcast for quite a while, but, uh, they are hosting, uh, let's see what we call the Backyard 400 coming up and that is coming up next Saturday. So that'd be April 23rd. The Backyard 400 is Travis Bell's paved third mile paved walking path in his backyard walking path with air quotes. Uh, and he is hosting a two class, two heat with finals body on frame go-kart race. It's a six and a half horse predator spec engine essentially. And that is supposed to limit the field. Although one of the competitors, my lap record in one of the spec go-karts was 55 seconds. One of the competitors has already set a time of 32 seconds in his super cheaty go-kart. Anyway, Celebrity Machines is proud to sponsor my entry into this inaugural Backyard 400 coming up on April 23rd. And BoxCast, who sponsors and streams our SwitchCast podcast, so much casting going on here, they are also going to stream the Backyard 400. So you can watch it live. You can watch the mayhem. I'm pretty sure that people are going to get hurt because there's no roll bar rule, but we'll leave that to Travis and his attorneys to figure out. So anyway, it's going to be absolutely crazy, probably akin to the craziness of the Freedom Factories, uh, Freedom 500 with the Crown Vicks. But anyway, so I have an Oldsmobile Aerotech that's being built right now, and I will be competing for the grand prize, which is a Chevrolet Camaro Z24 convertible, which if I win, I'm going to drive it straight to Radwood. So anyway, thank you, Celebrity Machines, for the sponsorship. And if you want to thank them as well, you can go to CelebrityMachines.com and enter discount code SWITCHCAST to get yourself a commemorative license plate. So again, April 23rd, tune in to watch the Backyard 400, courtesy of Celebrity Machines. Now again, my wife is going to be joining us shortly. 
you may call in 216-294-4124 to ask either of us a question or you can post your questions in the comment flow of wherever you are watching live. So, uh, <clears throat> to introduce my wife, um, what? That Justin is not my wife. Questions. We have questions. Are they for my wife or for me? general car questions okay fine we'll take those then i'll introduce my wife go ahead with the questions all right first of all good to know i'm not your wife and well he's pointing at you i know <laughs> ethan all right all right first a sound effect for the questions i think we need sound effects is that good Ooh, that's a good one yeah i like that yeah all right what's the sound effect of turning the air conditioning on yeah <laughs> it's pretty warm up here i know i know of course it gets warm finally it's usually freezing yeah all right good for the equipment but otherwise all right all right this was a question <laughs> which equipment yeah this equipment is all i'm concerned about <laughs> yeah yours is fine all right that's what she said <laughs> oh i knew that was coming okay Oh, here we are. Muhammad Al-Sahali has a question for you. He says, my dream car is a Ferrari 599 GTO. What do you think about the ownership of these days after it's shot in price? I, I don't, I'm not sure what question he's asking. I, I don't know how the ownership is related to the price. The ownership experience shouldn't change depending on how much you paid for it it's just a matter of whether or not you can afford it um i know in some sense that people are scared to drive their cars because they go up too much in value and that's understandable um but again if you can afford it you should own it it is a fantastic car um i guess i won't speak to the market value everything's gone up in value but i i it's one of my favorite modern Ferraris they made. And that's saying a lot because I like stick shift cars and they don't make it in a stick. So I think it's a fantastic dream and I'd go for it. All right. Next question and next sound effect. There we go. This one is from Henry Collins. He says, what would paint protection film also add thickness on the reading? Yes. <clears throat> now, that that's an interesting point because they said there was paint protection film. Again, this is going back to the GT3 RS and bringing a trailer. There was paint protection film on the front valence of the car. And there's an adjustment factor. Paint protection film adds about six to eight thousandths of an inch. Now, that's measured. They call it mils. M-I-L is the unit that's displayed on the paint meter. So even with the paint protection film, it was still reading 50 to 100% too high. So both on the panels that didn't have it and on the panels that did, they were all too high. Now, when I pushed the question to the seller, their response was, oh, it has paint protection film. But earlier they said it was only on the front. And I'm like, that's not a that's not a real answer. That's not addressing the question of why are the readings all high all across the car. So yes, that can skew it. And a lot of sellers will actually use the film as an excuse to not even take readings or say that they're not reliable, but they are because 
consistently across the board, paint protection film is six to eight mils, period. So if factory thickness is supposed to be five mils, it has paint protection film on it, then it's like 10 to 12. And if you see a 20 on a car with paint protection film, that's a red flag. Just like if you saw a 10 or a 12 on a car without film, that's a red flag. But again, you need to know what type of car you're metering. You need to know the baseline readings for that car. You need to make sure your meter's calibrated. All these different things before you just live and die by a paint meter. So it, it's it's a good tool. You have to know how to use it and you have to understand what you're measuring before you just go off of the reading. So people do put too much trust in them. They are a great tool. All right, next question. This is from Mark Nojam. How's the 987 Cayman market these days? Stable as it always has been. That 987 Caymans as a dealer were always one of the easiest cars to sell. And I'm talking like the last 10 years because they always sat in such a good price point. And they've kind of vacillated between 25 and 40 grand in the last 10 years. And they're really, really good cars. And people understand that. They're a great car for the money. So anytime you get one at not any price point, but any reasonable price point, they just sell because people like them and they're great cars. So uh, it's, you know, same as everything. They're up, but they're, I mean, they're not collectibles. So they never will be. But yeah, if, if you find a good one to buy it. All right, easy question. This is from Cannonball, the Cannonball, not just Cannonball, the Cannonball, the Cannonball 79. Did he run the Cannonball in 79? Well, good question, but that's not what he's talking about. He's asking you, Doug, are you going to Alaska? No. <laughs> Boom. There it is. For multiple reasons, two of which I'm not taking two weeks off to drive to Alaska because I've got a lot of other things to do that are more important, as fun as that might be. Uh, two, my wife does not think that sending a multiple thousand dollar car off a cliff, no matter how few thousand that multiple is, is a terrible optic and a waste of money that could be spent otherwise. I think she'd rather give a multiple thousand dollar car to somebody who actually needed transportation is that accurate, my dear? Yes. Yes. All right. Do we, have, we want to do one more no, before Aaron comes the in? Third reason, because it's political. One, one more. Yes. All right. One more. This is a little bit more complicated, at least for someone like me. <laughs> this is from Elon Musk. Is suspicious forty three. Is it worth buying a clean title, no accidents, thirty thousand mile, point one GT three? For eighty thousand, if it has a motor with bore scoring and slightly low compression. How many miles? Eighty thousand. No, thirty thousand. Thirty thousand for I, eighty thousand dollars. And it's a GT three. That that's highly surprising that a GT three would have bore scoring at that low mileage. Bore scoring has typically been limited to the regular nine nine seven in the M ninety six and M ninety seven engines. Um, I guess 996 and 997, but um, yeah, the non-GT cars. So I guess I'd ask why it has bore scoring, um, but if it's really good otherwise, 
I mean, an engine rebuild is probably twenty to thirty thousand dollars on a GT3. So if you buy it for eighty, you're in at one hundred ten, and you have a fresh engine, and it's relatively low mileage. And if it's a clean Carfax, clean history, like that car hasn't been abused. But again, I'd ask why the engine is bore scored. If it's just a fluke, then fine. If it's a good car, otherwise, is it because the guy? beat the ever-loving piss out of it and every other part on the car is worn out too then i would just say i'd go back to the age you can't pay too much for a good car and too little for a bad car or sorry too much for the right car and too little for the wrong car so yeah do a little more homework but it seems like a deal actually i know somebody who would want to buy that so drop me a line if you don't <laughs> want to buy it <laughs> So all His that to say to Elon Musk is suspicious. It sounds like the GT3 is suspicious. Fair? <laughs> there we go. All yes, right, I think it's time for Aaron. You should be suspicious. Okay. There we go. Right. I, I forgot intro music. For, I totally should have had intro music. Anyway, so to introduce my wife, you can come up anytime. You have headphones here and mineral water. I like my woman women like i like my cars firing on all cylinders i like my women like i like my cars insurable okay. i like my women like i like my cars in any color but white black or silver wait that doesn't work <laughs> we definitely need some sound effects now we do <laughs> i like my women like i like my cars able to shift gears at my direction do you want to just do like verbal sound effects? I'm just gonna have to come up with something. <laughs> I like my women like I like my cars with a user's manual. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin now. Out. Yeah. I like my women like I like my cars, and this is why I like Aaron with a full tank of gas. <laughs> so today is our anniversary. I'm not gonna say which one because it'll immediately will immediately lose credibility um but anyway today is our anniversary i convinced her to do this with me for you guys uh anyway so this is mrs mexican steak i know a lot of you had questions for her like why <laughs> but anyway i was at the dentist today and and is a new dentist very funny guy but he asked if we checked each other's teeth before we got married because he said you know we both have really good teeth like we don't have a lot of fillings you know not not a, a financial liability because he said he knew a guy who married a woman with who needed a lot of work on her teeth and it got really expensive and he was i guess i don't know if he was regretting marrying her but he was definitely complaining about that because had he known he maybe would have thought twice but i said no i did not check her teeth because i consider my wife a gift from god and you don't look a gift horse in the mouth SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast 
for your free trial. Well, Aaron, thank you for joining me on the show tonight. Am I going to pay for this later? Chester's <laughs> joining us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy you agreed to this, and we have some questions. First, clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Eh, okay. Well, not that fast. We've got all the time in the world. Uh, the, the one news story I did not get to that I want to hear your opinion on. Um, I'm not a huge fan of crypto or NFTs. I don't even know what NFTs. No, I do know what NFTs stand for, but, um, I think they're like digital beanie babies. But anyway, RM Sotheby's a highly reputable auction company is auctioning off the last Lamborghini Aventador that will be produced. Now, with that comes a one-of-one one NFT. I think they're all one-of-one. One. Big whoop-de-doo. Um, let's see. This will be the world's first one-of-one one NFT ever to be auctioned with a physical super sports car. It is the ultimate and unrivaled collaboration between automobile Lamborghini and iconic creators Krista Kim and Steve Aoki, an invent group. They missed a vowel there. I guess that's part of their iconic creation. Krista Kim created the visual artwork for the NFT digital companion. Her signature gradients will also appear on the livery and interior trim of this one-of-a-kind physical car. It's like, it's like a new art car, except, yeah, weird. It's accompanied by digital art. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on it. The, the BMW art cars of the past were a very, very big deal and very cool and went for a lot of money. But it was a real car that somebody painted on uh let's see oh steve aoki created the bespoke track for the nft i guess these digital things come with some music that go with them yeah an exclusive soundtrack for the physical car so i guess when you drive the car you have to listen to the nft track that sounds kind of dumb um the buyer will gain access to VIP utilities, including exclusive virtual previews of future limited edition Lamborghini models, a private tour of the Museo Lamborghini. That's kind of cool. I like this. Oh, the buyer will own the digital replica Gulb file of the Lamborghini Aventador Ultima Coupe, the first Lamborghini car for the metaverse. So can you like can you drive it in the metaverse or how's this is this like Second Life the game Dwight Schrute played in the office like is that what the metaverse is You're asking me Yeah I have no idea Okay well what do you think of a Lamborghini with a, that comes with an NFT I don't know enough to have an opinion I think Okay fine because I yeah I don't know what it is really Okay in a different type of <clears throat> NFT auction, some dude on VinWiki, and I love VinWiki, but this dude blew up a Lamborghini Huracan. Well, he didn't. He like helped some other dude. But they made two million bucks selling off the pieces as some sort of metaverse NFT thingamajigger. So they blew up this car mm-hmm. in the desert. You won't let me send a two thousand dollar car off a cliff, but these I people. I won't let you. You think I, it's a bad idea. It's a I, bad optic. I think it's a bad idea. Right. It's not so about these me guys blew you. up a two hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini Huracan. Yeah. And then sold off the pieces to raise fun. Wait, but they didn't even sell the real pieces. They collected all the pieces and digitized them and sold off NFTs 
of I don't even know what pieces. that means. <laughs> they, they took 3D pictures of these things and sold $2 million worth of, worth of like pictures CAD of CAD drawings kind yeah, of Yeah, sure. Deal? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They sold the pictures of these things. So did they donate the proceeds? No, they used it to fund their next ridiculous project. Oh. Which I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> I, I... What did they do with the car? I mean... They, they blew I it know up. they blew it up. I'm saying the parts, the parts I don't know. that they gathered. I don't know. They're probably going to make some. Th- th- what they did with the parts could actually probably be cooler because they could make an actual sculpture. Like, I have a lamp made out of a blown up gearbox. It's super cool. Right. So, I should make that an NFT <clears throat> and then I could sell it. And nobody would buy it. But they might because <laughs> people know it would be a one of one. Right. <laughs> and I'll put my digital signature on it and create a soundtrack for it as well. And I'll find a guy with a name that sounds like it's a Japanese steak. Right. To create the soundtrack. No. No. I should try this. Would anybody buy it? If I put my I'm not asking you. I'm asking <laughs> you. I'm asking everybody watching. Would you would you buy my amazing gearbox is a 996 GT3 gearbox lamp. But would you, would you buy a digital version of it? It would probably turn you could I could make it so like you turn the lamp on digitally. Does that work? I don't know how that works. I, the audience wants to know how good is the soundtrack. It's Emily and Ivory. Oh, I was going to say is it you drumming <laughs> solo? Yes. <laughs> no, it's that guy I that video of the guy, oh my gosh, I feel like only musicians have seen this, but there's this crazy guy with long hair that looks like he hasn't showered in three years, typical musician, but he's performing at this open mic night or some place where you go and express your artistry, and he just has a snare drum, and he's just like going like, doing this all over and like flailing on the ground, and this is considered art. It like people clap after it. And the YouTube video has millions of views. I, I mean, I think the YouTube video is, is making fun of people, but like this is that that could be the soundtrack for the gearbox is, is his little I'm having a spasm on a snare drum. OK, there. yes, Aaron is telling me. What hole the stick goes into. Mm. What? Right there. Okay, questions. <laughs> this is going downhill fast. Yeah. People have questions for you, Aaron. People have questions. They do have questions for me. Okay. You. Fire away, Justin. All right, all right, here we go. Hold on. No, no more sound effects. Right. You've opened no, the bottle I've, I've, Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe... Maybe there's a prize if somebody knows what bottle that was that made that sound. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Yeah, so this is from Tyler to John. It's a question for Aaron. What's it like putting up with a short man with a tall personality? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer that first. Okay. My chair is actually... Proving the tall person raised up above hers, so we appear to be the same height. <laughs> okay, you can answer the question now, my dear. Um, there's lots of eye rolling. 
<laughs> There's lots of eye rolling. There, there is. Um, not good on my toes, so this is hard. Um, well, it's good because if you're on your toes, you're taller than I am. Yeah. Next yeah. question. Okay, let's go. All I right, think that here was we go. A sarcastic question. Yeah, anyway. that was a very that wasn't yeah. really a question. I mean, I it was have an that answer, was, but it's that was a statement. Process. That one's just almost yeah, self-evident. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> all right, all right. First of all, this is from Cameron Kelly, who is saying happy anniversary. Thank so, you. Thank you. There you go. Congratulations on that. Do you ever have the urge to just sell your better half's cars, trade it, switch it? Or whatever. Yeah, switch it. Ha, ha, ha. Well, is this being asked of you, you or you. me? Well, because first of all, I know who asked the question. It's me. Cameron Kelly. She has a gorgeous dark red SL500 with dark brown interior. The R129 people are going to get after me for not knowing the actual color. But there's like five dark reds for that. And I really, really want to buy it. So I'm trying to convince her to switch it but anyway oh. ha has there ever been a time where you've wanted to trade off one of my vehicles when i'm asleep there's a big <laughs> nod there <laughs> i did not like seascape is that close you want to sell seascape yes seascape yeah thankfully oh, ethan please edit that out <laughs> we'll get it in post yeah. no Thank worries you. uh yeah thankfully he did that on his own that one was pretty bad. Um, I made her ride to Detroit and back for Radwood, and neither the heat nor the air conditioning yeah, was working. And I yeah. think it was like 85 degrees. It was that really, really hot and sticky. Her love for Seascape. No. Yeah. No. Neither did the shoe polish on the interior. <laughs> on the leather, the white yeah. leather. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What, what is the quick version of the story of how you guys met? I'm not good at quick version of anything. Neither uh, is Doug. Oh. <laughs> Basically. Aaron should be happy about that. <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea. <laughs> okay, when you're done. Uh, yeah. Okay. You just interrupt me. You got to learn um, to just speak. Quick version of how we met. Uh, he showed up to help me move because I had asked a group of friends for help and they came and they brought two other people that didn't know who they were helping and Doug was one of them. That's I it. was told that we were going to be done by noon and that was important because it was a warm day in September and that means it was a warm Saturday in September, which meant one thing, it was a boating day. So they said, well, there will just be pods in the driveway and you just have to unload them. And I used to have arms that people, fans on YouTube would talk about. And I was very good at moving. So I thought this is easy. I'm going to kill this. We're going to be done by like 11 and I'll be on the water by 1230. Well, the pods were not in the driveway. They were at U-Haul and the people that were supposed to be picking up the pods had a vehicle that was inadequate to haul them. So I ended up having to get my tow vehicle and, and save the day. And then we had to exchange numbers. All, and... Yes, I definitely had to get her number. I don't know why, but I... Well, because you were picking... They were in my name, a U-Haul. 
You yeah, were I don't them think up. I actually need to call you, but I okay, made fine. sure that I had to call you for something. Um, but we were unloading our refrigerator, and there was multiple types of adhesive holding the box on and holding the doors together. And the first time I had met her, I attempted a joke that did not go over well. So I figured I'd try again, and I crumpled up all the different types of tape together, and I handed it to her, and I said, hey, I made you a mixtape. And that was the first eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> so romantic. Says you're not quick on your feet. <laughs> well, oh, was that my man. response? I don't remember, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's uh, what it would have been. No, I think I did get a laugh out of you. Oh. I think I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you did. Well, yes. just... But it's... then, so we'll give the quick version of where it went from there. So we didn't talk for like two months. And then she texted me or called me because she had some transmission problems with her car that it wasn't shifting properly and wanted some advice. There was nothing wrong with her transmission. She just wanted to call He me. thinks I made it up. It, there was I nothing wrong it with it. And the cars had like 50,000 miles on it since then with no issues. But it did get flushed and then it was fine. I don't know. I knew my car and it didn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. My trusty okay. Corolla. Uh, the follow-up to that or the second half of that question. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, let's, okay there's a lot of questions we can get to but i was just going to say about the eye roll part of the question uh well the completion of the question was to say that switchcast is the best podcast because of the dad jokes yes <laughs> so yes here we are i think All that right. guy needs a free t-shirt yeah i didn't All do right. the question of the week but the question of the week is brought to you by nuts for sticks if you go to nutsforsticks.com actually this whole podcast is brought to you by the Keep Your Woman Butt Switch Cars t-shirt, which pretty much inspired a VinWiki YouTube video about like basically the top 10 ways to not lose your wife over your car hobby, which this is an extension of. This discussion is just an extension of that. Um, but that shirt is the theme, and uh, we have just restocked them. We were sold out of almost all sizes. They are now back in stock. So if you would like to buy a Keep Your Woman But Switch Cars shirt to help pay for our anniversary podcast date, my dear, uh, you can go there and enter <laughs> discount code SWITCHCAST for 10% off. Nutsforsticks.com, discount code SWITCHCAST to get your Keep Your Woman But Switch Cars shirt. And Nicholas Vick will get a free one for his admiration of my dad jokes. He there you the go. question of the week. All right. Here's one from Gonzo Prius. Who wears the car better? Doug and a GT3 Porsche or Aaron? It's Porsche, Justin. <laughs> oh. This is the problem when I have See, an See, this is what happens. You don't have questions. a car guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I and you know what the thing is? I knew that. I knew that, yeah. but it's stuck in my head. Yeah. So, okay. Congratulations, audience. Who wears the car better? <laughs> uh, the that I don't, I don't know that car. I wear. I've the, never oh, driven I, a, that car. I wear the car better when you're with me. That's the right answer. Yep. 
Okay. Ooh, good one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. This one's from Love to Watu. If a woman can't change her own tire, should you break up with her immediately? Yes. Oh. Or do you um, have to isolate wait. yourself from the possible father-in-law? That's... <laughs> <laughs> Have I told you my car tire changing story? Well, you haven't told them, so go I'm for it. I'm pretty sure I've told you. I probably forgot it. Um, I do know how to change a tire, but this particular spot where I got a flat was not ideal and that it was like the only place I could pull over was a gravel lot, and I'm pretty sure it was also sloped. I don't remember the details. Anyway, so I got I got it jacked up and was trying to get the lug nuts loose and the car like teetered. Well, it didn't, it didn't teeter. It just like fell over the jack and uh, thankfully nothing was under it, but that was a little scary. Yeah. So, I know how to do it. Just not well, well apparently. Gra- no, gravel <laughs> slash an incline. Neither of those are good things when you're changing yeah. a tire. Well, when you're jacking a car up. So. Right. I found that out, yeah. Yeah, I I grew up in Maine, if you didn't know that, and (laughs) um, at our driver's ed, they taught us how to check the oil and change tires, and they made the girls all, like, release the lug nuts um, so they knew that they could do it, Um, even, like, the little tiny people. so he was teaching us techniques to do that because he's like, you guys all need to do that. And I'm like, dude, that would never happen in driver's ed nowadays. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that is a that is a skill on the resume for marryable. No, it is a skill that can be taught. Wait a minute. Knowing it before you, you like like when you first meet, know, already knowing I mean, how? She comes from good stock. Okay, all right. Not- the better thing is, I'm not going to pass on a girl because she can't change the tire, but you should definitely not marry a dude that doesn't know how to change a tire. All right. Justin, do you I know. know. Justin, I know. I had to think about that for a second. I don't know. <laughs> you know, truth be told, and... As a non as a non car guy, truth be told, I did change Kelly's tire when we were in high school, and it doesn't matter. To, for, Is that a metaphor? For, for people want to know what? that that. Oh my goodness, no. Okay, but we were in an accident in Michigan in the snow, and and we were both in high school. It was a very very long time ago, and I did change the tire, and thank God I did. I ended up marrying that girl, and that's about the only thing I knew how to do on a car. <laughs> <laughs> but we got home. That is about the only thing you like need to know right. yeah. how to do on a car. Yeah. Jumping what? a car. What? You have to be able to jump a car. Jump, jump a car? the car? Still no, the person with the jumper cables needs to know. <laughs> yeah. Just watch Michael Scott's video on how to do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Okay, should we go to another question anywhere. or no? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is for Aaron. Has your taste for cars tastefully grown at all since being married to a car guy? Um, I, it has apparently. My my memory's I wanna, terrible. I want to hear your answer for this. Has it tastefully grown? I mean, it's very subjective. 
I feel your like appreciation I still like grown. the same things. You know the difference between a GT3 and a GT3 RS. Because it's written in the <laughs> door sill. It's <laughs> a pretty good answer. I don't. Looking at it, I don't. Do you care more about cars? Uh, aside from the fact that like I like them and you care about them because of that, do you have any more appreciation for them? I mean, probably. Okay. I. Do you yeah. like you like how they sound sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I had never driven like a sporty anything remotely okay. sporty. Okay, I'm gonna and answer the M3 this was for fun. Yes, th there you go. I was just gonna go there. So she yeah. had an E36 M3 convertible, which we sold because it was a problem car, and the top didn't work right, and and my blah, torso blah, blah. is too long. Right, her head hit the windshield, so we got her a E350 Cabriolet, which is a far better car by all metrics. But you are constantly telling me that you miss the M3 because that was more fun. Mm -hmm. And that is something that a car guy can appreciate because an E350 Cabriolet is an old woman's car for South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it's a better car than the M3, and it works better for your needs, but... right. The fact that you missed the M3 because it was more fun says that you have a proper appreciation for cars. Okay. Then yes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Another question. This is a two-parter, and it's for Aaron as well. So number one, Aaron, what was your first car? And then number two, what is your dream car that you would get but not what Doug would get for you? Okay. Very good question. <laughs> Not a station wagon. Um, <laughs> my first car, I don't know the year. Okay, so I... And then I turned 16. Um, the year doesn't matter, my dear. I know. It was old for when I had it even. But anyway, it was a Geo Metro. And it was like the little Ooh. hatchback kind of thing. And it was like special. given to us by a family friend who got a newer car and, you know, figured, hey, this 16-year-old, she's going to wreck it anyway, so what does it matter? Um, it lasted maybe, I don't know, maybe a few months until the transmission totally gave out. Um, yeah. Is that, that how you met your one. first boyfriend? Um, Called him when the transmission was acting up? And no. <laughs> no. Nice try. Um, <laughs> I I don't know if I have a dream car because I really don't dream about cars, right? I mean, does that make sense? Anyway. Because sure. you're so in love with the car that Doug bought for you? Yes, that's why. I <laughs> bought her an E350 wagon in addition to the E350 Cabriolet. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, why are you giving me that look? Anyway, <laughs> I had to convince her so hard on wagons and i never really did until i just said like okay well this is the car i'm getting for you because this is the best option because we have a dog and you carry stuff everywhere and yes she doesn't even put the dog in the back hatch area she puts him no in the because he whines anyway. too much he's too far away anyway so she didn't want a minivan but she didn't want a wagon either so i just sold her corolla and bought her a station wagon and she has gotten over it I got over it. Yeah, it is practical. Yes. Um, okay, so I wouldn't say dream car, but I think what I like best, even though I've never 
written in one, correct me if I'm wrong, is an R8. I think that's what I would choose. An Audi R8. Yes. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, yes. No, I had the Audi R8 Spider for a while. Okay. You did ride it. So I did one. ride it. Oh, mm-hmm. See, I don't even remember. Yeah. Yep, that's a good choice. Yeah. All right, this is a dangerous question to ask Doug, but uh, maybe maybe Aaron could answer it. What do you two souls do to become a better one flesh? As the dog I cannot. is barking, wait, wait. Uh, let me let me add the let me just keep going with the question yes, here. What sacrifices do you make towards one another, and what compromises do you do to become a better couple? Uh, I drink white wine. That's a sacrifice. <laughs> just not right now. We should have. Aaron's the one making the sacrifice done, right like, now. Drinking game style. Like every time Aaron rolls her eyes, they have to take I, a drink. I'm out. Well, I'm happy to do that. I don't have to drive home after this podcast. Anyway. Um. Yes. I, what do we do? What compromises? Well, I sold my boat. I sold Seascape. Um. We looked at a house the other day that I'm only had a two-car sure garage. That's not what he meant. I, I'm just listing the compromises I've made. <laughs> Well, one thing is that, so when we got married, I had a two-year-old from my previous marriage. And when we started dating, he was very, very little. And Doug was bachelor and could go wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And, you know, having his own business gave him even more flexibility. Well, I as I'm Porsche learning less. And a boat. <laughs> So true bachelor lifestyle could do whatever. And he'd committed, you know, it wasn't just fun things. It was, you know, um, you know, the high school youth group, which you really enjoyed and other things. Um, uh, be clear about it. I was not going to high school youth group. I'm not a yes, weirdo. He was a leader I was for a the leader slash mentor there. Boys, for the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I wasn't that weird old single guy that still showed up <laughs> high school youth group. There was that guy when I was in high school. There was that guy that like aged out, but he kept coming back. And I remember he had like a Chevy Beretta Z24 or something like that. And um, a little creepy. Yeah. Earl. That's Earl. fitting. Yeah. Anyway, so you did all these things. And then, you know, entering this relationship with someone who's really tied down and knowing that I need, um, you know, predictability and stability and time. Um, he had to get rid of a lot of those things. And, you know, slowly when the relationship got more serious, started making changes and, um, you know, not everything. I had to just accept that he was going to be busier than I liked. Um, especially in the beginning while that transition was happening. But anyway, um, I mean, I think that's a really good example is that you, I mean, you completely changed your life because that was better for the relationship. Yeah. Well, it's better. It's a better life. Um, 
the the guy who asked that question, Michael Armienti, said he's going on 36 years with his cutie, and we work together. I don't recommend it, LOL. <laughs> Aaron and I work together now, too. Um, part-time, though. Part-time. Yeah. Uh, he said, proof that there is a God. Plus, she's behind my uh, 997.2 GT3 purchase. I got a winner. I married up. I got lucky. Well, so did I. But um, anyway, so it, yes, um, we've been, we're celebrating our third anniversary. So we're really not qualified to give marital advice by the, the length of time. Um, but we're just having fun here tonight. But my my response to that would be marriage is like a boat. It's not about how long it is, but how well it floats in the storm. Feel free to quote me on that. <laughs> Hashtag tag tag me and quote whatever. Hashtag quote Doug Tabbitt. <laughs> anyway, so it's, again, it's not about how long you've been married. It's about how how well your marriage weathers storms. Yeah. So I know people that got divorced after 25 years. Oh. So, I don't know. See where we're at in 22. Anyway. All right. Well. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, what are Aaron's favorite and least favorite moments in a car with Doug behind <laughs> the wheel? Oh. Um, only the bad ones are coming to mind. <laughs> What are the bad ones? The bad ones. I mean, sweaty seascape. That was pretty bad. Ooh. Um, but none of them were bad driving, right? No, no. But the other one is, it's not a moment. It was like a whole, yeah. Yeah, like hours worth of driving through... I can never remember. Um, Blue Ridge Parkway? Yes. Oh, is that yes. what it is? In the 907 Turbo. Yeah, yes. Blue Ridge Parkway. Terrifying because he's going way faster than he should. And there's all kinds of people biking and walking on the road. And there's, there's like. There's not all kinds. There's like two. No shoulder. Okay, fine. In 100 there miles, were two. There's like two. Okay, fine. But you cannot see coming around these corners. There's mountain, and you're coming around the corner, and there could be someone on their bike right there. And right. it was nerve-wracking, to say the least. Right. But yeah. the biker never thinks about the fact that he's riding on a road that is no, I get it. They used shouldn't primarily I by get sports it. car drivers. Like, oh, man, I'm riding around this blind corner, and there could be like 18 sports cars coming. But if they don't come to that corner, there could be 10 more at the next corner. No. And I could die every single... I, do, I don't understand why people bike down in the Smoky Mountains. It's the dumbest decision on the planet. Anyway. Anyway. Next question. All right. Um, well, since she mentioned the seascape, what does she miss <laughs> more, seascape or the Corvette boat? And why? Um, yeah, definitely the Corvette boat, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're not um, sad that either is gone? Well, no. I mean, I enjoy going on the boat, but I'm just not comfortable driving it yet. So it makes it challenging to put it in and then take it out. And That's yeah, just the whole. Said. Yeah. I'm the one tasked with 
prepping before we go and, you know, dealing with the kid who misses nap because we were gone and that kind of stuff. So it's, that's not the case now because no more naps and later bedtime. But anyway. And because I don't have a boat. Well. It's about compromise, people. all summer last year, right? No, I sold it before last summer. Oh. Right? No, we used it. We used it on July fourth. That was the last time oh, we took it out. Okay. Okay. So yep. we had it last summer. Yeah. Yes, we used it twice. Yeah. So, all right. What was something? <clears throat> I think this is a question for Doug. Although, well, let's see. What was something you really wanted to make happen but let go because of the misses? Now it's spelled M I S S E S. I think it's M I S S U S when you're referring to it in a like implying a potentially derogatory manner there. But anyway, um, more cannonballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot and it's not that it was like a ball and chain sense of things of like, Oh, well I really want to do that, but you can't do that. Cause you're out of hall passes or whatever, as much as I joke about the hall pass, but it's, it's, just coming to an understanding of what is best for her and for the family and you know do i push the boundaries a little bit sure um but you know i i I rarely ask permission for things because i know i know already what her will is and if i have to ask permission i feel like you know Either one, I'm just doing it to, to, you know, because I know she'll say yes and I'm doing it to keep her in the loop or because I know she'll say no and this is a dumb decision. So I'm really trying to push something. <laughs> but most of the things, like, I I just know, like, okay, this is something I'm not going to do because it's not good for our family. Um, but, yeah, there's I would like to have done more cannonball activities. Uh and would have if I was single, but she doesn't really support those things. So, well, I think that's a good segue because I think this is the, the question of the hour, or the question of the last hour and ten minutes. <laughs> Obviously, for Aaron, this is what everybody wants to know: <laughs> Do you feel nervous when Doug goes on cannonballs, and do you support his cannonball activities? There's no like straight answer to that question well the first part um i wouldn't say nervous i just like i've ex- i accept the reality that something could happen and there's nothing i can do about it and i may or may not watch the glimpse and go to sleep and not have trouble falling asleep so um yeah, I guess not nervous, but very aware of the fact that bad things could happen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And do I support them? Um, I guess yes and no, because I don't, as he said before, you know, after the after Arnie's car was totaled and I felt like, okay, well now's the safe time to do it. Um, my con- you know, cause my concerns were safety as well as the morality of it. And we 
had many discussions about that and we just don't see it the same way. Um, and so when the, well, was it before or after the car was totaled that I said? It was the day after the car was totaled. Okay. Because it was the the Monday after, because because our record record was was broken. Yeah. The car, or sorry, two days after. The car got totaled Saturday night, spawning for Sean. The record got broken Sunday night. And Monday, Monday or Tuesday, you said, hey, I think you should go get your record back. Convenient. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I remember you, you thought I was bluffing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I just... I immediately texted Arnie and said, buy a car, <laughs> let's build a cannonball car, quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because the, the safety issue was much less of an issue at that point because nobody was driving. And I think by that point, I had really seen that. And, um, you know, I just... Like, it's it seemed... I don't want to say unfair but it was disheartening to see like, well, you don't have the chance to do this in like the absolute perfect conditions because I have asked you not to. And yeah, the safety issue was kind of taken out of the picture for the most part. Um, Let's get this, let's get this clear. She wasn't really concerned about my safety. She was concerned about (laughs) other people's safety. Because if I That's died because we ran off the road and hit a tree, it wasn't that big of a deal. But if there are other people involved, that was your bigger concern. Good insurance policy? I've got great life insurance. Term <laughs> life insurance, for that matter. There you go. Yeah. I mean, no. Obviously, I'm concerned <laughs> about you. But how much worse would it be for you to, yeah, to take your life and the life of someone else? I mean, yeah podcast looks like it went off the air somehow because oh of, because awesome of network health okay. oh well we still have an audio podcast so let's wrap that up so anyway no, yeah we, we can keep going and it'll yeah just, it'll just appear when it appears okay but i just got a all right pick, oh, pick uh the, the top two pick two more questions Justin. all right let's do a couple more here um my girl told me she will break up with me if i attempt the cannonball how do i reason with her uh i mean the guys would all say find a new girlfriend what would aaron say um i would say she has valid concerns i mean i can guess what her concerns are i would say she has valid concerns and I wouldn't want to be with someone who didn't recognize those valid concerns. So I guess that's the answer. All right. And I don't know how to tell you to recognize them, but they need acknowledged and yeah. Okay. Here's the, here's the next one. I'm not even going to try to name the name of the, the person asking it, but, uh, it says, uh, the question says, having met him, I already know the answer, but is Doug really as bad as the VinWiki YouTube comments make him out to be? 
I don't read the VinWiki comments. You um, heard the, the but mean I've heard tweets your, ones, though. Yeah, I heard you some of those. You helped me find them. Um, but I don't long. remember any of them, really. Most of them were like what five-year-olds would say to each other. <laughs> right? So you don't read them for fun? No. Well, am I, I as bad? Are you as bad? No. You have this like, I don't know, Finwicky persona, maybe if that's the right word. You no, just the that way is that the real me. The way that you tell your stories makes you seem different. Oh, that was not the word I was expecting. Pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Arrogant. Yeah. She fully admits that. Yes. It. I mean, I, I don't but know that's, how to help that. I don't know. I mean, you're confident and don't really care what people think, and I, that's how it comes off. So. Great. That's well, what it is. I make no apologies for that. <laughs> well, Aaron, my dear, thank you. Happy you're welcome anniversary. Uh, where can people find you on the internet or follow your business or your automotive shenanigans? Oh, they we can't. We're, we're back up. Yeah, we're so back I'm up, sorry yay. we lost some of you on the video feed for a minute. That is uh, not Spectrum this time, but uh, and it's definitely not BoxCast, but for whatever reason, we went down for a minute. But you're back just in time to find out what Erin's Instagram is so you can follow her. Condor into it. Right, but she won't accept <laughs> your follow requests anyway. I almost anyway. forgot because I don't ever use it. <laughs> Uh, yes, so the props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Okay, that's partly a lie. I will store any car as long as they pay me. Um, check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. Yes, uh, our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is a 2001 Honda S2000 in yellow with just 30,000 miles on it, locally owned, long-term ownership, very, very clean, freshly serviced at the Honda dealer, and new tires. Yes. So check that one out. I think we just listed it today. The prop of the week goes to... I'm not even sure who gets the prop, but I just found this freaking hilarious. An empty autonomous car ran from the police in San Francisco. Now, that's a little bit of a grabby headline because it only ran for like 100 feet, but it did not pull over for the cops. And it was initially pulled over because it didn't have its headlights on because, you know, the autonomy doesn't need to see at night because it just knows. But whatever, they're working out the bugs. So uh, there's so many things that we could say about it that were already said already. I think it's just freaking hilarious. Um, people talked about how in the future a highway chase might ensue with these autonomous cars, but I think that that will not occur until they make Nissan Altimas autonomous. For those of you not paying attention, go watch any police chase. The car of criminal's choice is the Nissan Altima. So, yes, that they'll... It would stand to reason that autonomous Nissan Altimus would run from the cops. I don't shouldn't have to explain that joke, but if you don't live on YouTube watching police chases like I do, you wouldn't know that. <clears throat> the flop of the week. Oh, man. 
uh, a friend of mine had a deal done on an original owner, very collectible, very low mileage BMW. It was like under 5,000 miles and it's 30 years old. And it was this guy's pride and joy. He had a deal done and he wanted to take it on one last drive before it sold, which is never a good idea. And in merging onto the highway, he caused an accident and there was like a four car pile up and the car got totaled and the owner did not activate the insurance before he took it for this last drive because it was still in storage. So yeah, flops on a lot of, lot of aspects there. One friggin' turn on your insurance when you take your car out of storage before you take it out of storage uh, or even better, get one of those policies like I think we have that like just it knows you're in storage half the year, but you don't have to call them the day you take it out of storage. It just like prorates you based on the fact that they know it's in storage. Uh, two, we have a rule. We never drive sold cars. We just don't. It is bad juju. Like it just, it something's going to happen. A customer of mine, I bought a 360 Challenge Rally from him years and years ago and he took a guy for a drive um before the deal had finalized i had sent him a deposit for it and he took this guy for a test drive and totaled the stradale so that was super awkward so yeah don't go out and drive your car after it's sold do it before you've decided to sell it and then just say okay i've divorced myself from the car it is going at some point yeah just don't kill the deal i mean the the money he got for this thing was insane and there's no way he's going to get, well, he's not going to get anything from insurance because he didn't have insurance on, but even if he did, he wouldn't have got anywhere near that much. So, um, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Aaron, for joining me on here. I know that was a big ask, but, uh, you did very well and, uh, we will see you next week. Oh, my big announcement. I'm sorry. I did tell you the big announcement for, uh, the end. So Switchcast season two is coming up. My producer, Ethan Huffnagel, and I are going on the road. So we've been in studio this whole time bringing you a live experience, but we also recognize that Cleveland is a difficult destination uh, for some of the guests that would like to be on our show. So we're going to go to them. So not all of the shows will be live, but we're going to uh, bring some really, really great guests uh, and maybe some great tours of car collections coming up over the next season. We'll have a few more episodes here live before we go to season two. But if there's somebody that you would like to see on the show, please drop us a line and let us know. Or if there's some place you'd like us to go, let us know. Um, we've got about five exciting destinations in mind. So Switchcast on the road will be season two. Thank you to my co-host, my darling Aaron, our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, who did not make these flimsy tables, but made us our awesome podcast desk that you see on our usual show. Thank you to our producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel, our bumper music provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m., and we'll look forward to answering your questions to help you on the drive of your life.